back to another episode of Monday Madness. Today is March the 6th, and I'm going to hit you with some news. Some big things happened over the weekend, and we're going to keep you in the know. But first of all, have you seen that the Surgeon General wants you to make your own face masks and use them? Uh, I saw a video where he was standing over a table with a t-shirt and two rubber bands. He ended up cutting up the t-shirt, folding it down into a way he could strap it to both of his ears over his mouth and nose. Now, personally... When I first saw this, I was skeptical. I thought that there was no way that the openings in the cloth were small enough to catch microbial bacterial, even if carried in moisture. And I have my doubts about this. Even so, some experts are saying that this will prevent you from getting sick if your neighbors and people around you are sick. That is, if someone sneezes, the face mask can catch it, but it'll be on the surface of the mask, so you'll want not to touch that. But other than that, in Vietnam, there was a study that actually found that these cloth masks may be harmful. In the abstract, uh, it reads in this scientific report, the results caution against the use of cloth masks. Moisture retention, reuse of cloth masks, and pore filtration may result in increased risk infection. Cloth masks should not be recommended for healthcare workers, particularly in high-risk situations, and guidelines need to be updated. So, we've got people on both sides. I know where I stand, but I guess I'll make the most of it while I can. It does feel kind of fun to go to King's Supers with a bandana on <laughs> as if I'm about to raid the place in this weird zombie movie that I'm living through. And boy, do I tell you that I'm ready for it to end. One of the craziest things that I've seen lately, uh, this podcast is recorded in Colorado, and Colorado officials and news stations are strongly advocating that you stop going outside. Now, I thought outdoor recreation and Taking care of your personal health, getting some sunlight would have been beneficial for everybody in these times, but it turns out the parks are getting a little too crowded, with the parking lots even filling up by 10 a.m. What else is there to do? I mean, I would want to get outside. It seems like the safest place to go. You can probably get at least six feet of distance from everyone out there, even if you're just running trails. I think we should encourage people to use these national parks and all of these beautiful lands that belong to us, but it turns out it's probably becoming too popular. I was reading a news report from England, I think it was about a week, week and a half ago, and they also have the stay-at-home advisory, and you're allowed to go to a park and places, areas such as that outside, but there's one lake that is crystal clear and just very vibrant blue, and the biggest problem they had were people that were on social media, Instagram stars, whatever, posting up there, taking pictures and putting that on their page, and there was such an influx of people taking pictures that the police decided... I know what we'll do. We're going to throw black ink into the lake. So they put a water-based ink into the lake that would make the water murky black. But I think the results of that were opposite of what they wanted because now there is a crystal blue lake on the edges with black tendrils spreading from all around it. And soon it will just be a black lake, which I would probably go and visit. So probably not the best option there. But I know you didn't come here to hear about face masks and bandanas and Black Lakes, you don't care. We're here for the good stuff, the oil news. Right at the end of last week, we saw a huge jump in prices. Uh, that was a result of a Reuters report that OPEC Plus was trying to cut around 10 million barrels per day and that Russia appeared to be on board. And that was the biggest one-day percentage jump in history. For WTI, that meant about a 25% one-day increase in pricing. But prices will probably begin to fall after today, after that great rebound. There was a lot of optimism priced into those Thursday and Friday readings, but OPEC delayed their meeting from Monday to Thursday. 
So it's a little bit shaky this morning. It's fallen just a couple of cents, but it's been holding steady otherwise, as of at least 10.30 on the 6th, anyway. But even so, the U.S. continues to produce plenty, and other countries seem like they're probably growing a little bit more wary, since we seem like we're going to put nothing on the table for production cuts, according to Trump and what we've heard from his administration so far. But let's jump out of North America real quick and see what's going on between the Saudi Arabia and Russia pissing match. Yep, still going on. On Friday, Putin blamed the collapse in oil prices on Saudi Arabia for pulling out of the three-year OPEC Plus deal. And the following day, the Saudi foreign minister, Prince Faisal bin Farhan, said Putin's comments were, quote, devoid of truth. And then his energy minister, Prince Abdulaziz bin Salman, followed up by saying Russian energy minister Alexander Novak made comments that were, quote, categorically false and contrary to fact, and that the Saudi minister expressed his surprise at the attempts to bring Saudi Arabia into hostilities against the shale oil industry, noting also that Saudi Arabia was a major investor in the U.S. oil sector. It's kind of crazy when they draw on the fact that they're friends with the United States, but they still continue to destroy the market worldwide by pumping out Huge, huge amounts of oil in these times. Strange how some of these comments came out only two days before the Monday meeting, where internationally we will come together and address this problem to try to find a solution. Or at least we would have had the meeting not been delayed to Thursday. Whoops. So hopefully it doesn't add to the tensions that are already there. But on Friday, Trump had his meeting with the big boys of oil and gas, most of the majors and some of the larger miners from the exploration and production sector of the industry, and it seems that the meeting was pretty much inconclusive. Trump said, these are great companies, and they will figure it out. Now, if you listened to us last week, this was likely a result of the comment made by Chevron saying, quote, we believe in markets, and we've got to believe in markets in good times and in tough times, which was basically a nice way to say, back off, we can deal with this. So, this is probably bad news for most of those miners out there who don't have the deep, deep pockets that Exxon and Chevron have. And this is going to be tough times for them. So they're going to most likely have to shut in, make payments on debts, communicate with banks, and try to float until prices go back up, which is going to be exceedingly difficult with this contango environment, where there's so much oil stored that as soon as those prices go up, the effect is going to be leveled by investors that have bought up these cheap commodities. This means that overall, there will likely be no form of COVID-19 relief for the U.S. energy sector, at least for oil and gas, unless they come in the form of tariffs, which Trump is beginning to threaten. Now, tariffs, first of all, they are bad for refineries and gas prices, but the money gained here could be used to provide benefits for oil and gas employees, which seems to be Trump's objective. Supporting a lot of these workers and providing benefits that would support a lot of these people who are beginning to lose their jobs in the oil and gas industry. Another decent option for this tariff money would be using it to backstop some short-term loans that could be used to float companies through this time, since demand is still very, very low thanks to COVID-19. Another potential downfall, though, is that it is also likely that tariffs could stimulate production at home, which, as we know, is not the solution. We need to make global cuts. I think it's likely better to buy Saudi's oil cheap for now and save our own to sell later since they're pretty much just giving it away at this point, pumping out as much as they can and cutting the price. Let's make use of that energy, save our energy in the sort of contango environment that I've been advocating against, I suppose, 
and sell that American oil once prices are back where they need to be. A decent solution, but like we've mentioned, storage is a huge concern right now. So none of these options are perfect. They all have their flaws, and I'm excited to see what gets taken moving forward. I've got a buddy who's from Texas, and he's proud, which may be redundant knowing he's a Texan, but he's a proud Texan. And he's got a joke that he loves to tell saying, did you know that Texas is so large that you can fit the entire United States inside of it two and a half times? Well, that might not be such an exaggeration right now because Texas is so big, it's going to represent itself on an international level. Ryan Stitten is the commissioner of the Texas Railroad Commission, and he's been in direct contact with Russian oil minister Novak, who says that the Saudis and the Russians are likely to make cuts, but the U.S. needs to bring cuts to the table as well. Now, this is something we speculated over last week, if you hadn't listened to the article analysis podcast. Trump is expecting other people to make production cuts, but hasn't said much of what the U.S. will do. Novak and Stitten kind of agreed that the goal should be to cut around 10 million barrels worldwide. This would likely be 2 million barrels from Russia, 2 million barrels from the U.S., 2 million from Saudi, with the other 4 million split amongst a lot of the other smaller players. My question is, is this the 2 million cut from today's numbers, numbers before Saudi upped its production? Cutting Saudi back 2 million barrels still leaves them producing around 11 million barrels a day, which, in comparison, are production levels which would match the United States in about 2018. If this was the case, Russia probably still wouldn't be happy because two of its largest, well, I say competitors loosely because they are kind of working with OPEC+. Plus. They did have an agreement, but still... The U.S. and Saudi producing much more than Russia would simply not be fair. So I think there's going to be some adjustments on those numbers there. But the moral of the story is just everybody needs to cut back. But I think that about wraps up all the news we have coming off the weekend. That'll do up this episode for Monday Madness. So please keep an eye out. Likely to see big things as a result of that meeting that hopefully will happen Thursday. If we do see something, we will be sure to report the results to you. So... Be sure to go to rarepetro.com, subscribe to the news pulses, subscribe to the podcast, subscribe to the podcast on SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and we will keep you in the know. The most important thing you can arm yourself with in these times is knowledge. You want to be in the know, especially if you're looking for new jobs and opportunities to market yourself. You want to market yourself as someone who is aware. So please subscribe to those things. Take care. Don't make any t-shirt face masks and Hell, don't listen to me. I'm not a medical professional, but I'm probably going to choose not to. Wash your hands. Take care, friends. 